Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Sunday Skate with Scott McLaughlin and Andrew Razor Raycross. Brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market. Perfecting the art of fresh on WEEI. Taka, right in, DeBrus, McAvoy, dangles, a puck check, he scores, Charlie McAvoy wins it in overtime. Welcome back to Sunday Skate, Hour 2, Scott McLaughlin, Andrew Raycroft, Bridget Peru. That was Charlie McAvoy's overtime winner against the Oilers on Wednesday. Incredibly entertaining game. Now, yeah, ended at one ten in the morning, but it's <laughs> yeah, okay. It was one of those ones where it was like, okay, they're on the West Coast. This game should be really interesting. I don't want to fall asleep a zero zero game into the third. And it had everything. It had fights. It had a lot of goals. It had a great game winner by McAvoy. Unfortunately, um, I had my head on the pillow. I watched it all the way through, but I was like, it was a struggle. Um, but I so. I asked Nico to come back with this because, um, you know, we've been focusing a lot on the last game, and but it, it's been four games since we we started, and one of those games was that very entertaining Edmonton game, and um, we had this debate on uh, the skate pod. Was that McAvoy's like prettiest goal of his career? I think it was. I we we went and looked back at some of his other nicer goals, and I just think the finish on that was. He was falling down. Like, I don't know. It was, it took a lot for him to put that in and, and it looked nice. And it came like, it was just like a exclamation point at the end of that game. It was certainly an exclamation point. And the stars on the ice, uh, McAvoy rose to that occasion with that play. You watch that and you, you almost want more from him at times when, when he, when he does that. But it's, it's more, you see the contrast of it, right? When he does it, it's like a bull. And when Quinn Hughes does it, he's like, uh, it's like a little butterfly kind of floating around where McAvoy toe drag is literally puts his head down. He's falling. He's rolling around, 
but he has the the dexterity and the body control to to be able to chip it in at, with that backhand at the end. It was it was a beauty. I don't remember a better one from him. Uh, I know there has been, but um, he seems to he he's doing a good job with over like he scores goals in overtime. He's got that low blocker wrister where he finds his way into the slot, and now he's got the toe drag that that people are biting on a little bit. So. Uh, his grow his game offensively continues to grow in those kind of smaller situations, but overall, the, there's not many defensemen better than him in the league. There just isn't uh, that that can eat 26 minutes, play physical the way he does, and then still have the the touch offensively. Uh, it's it's the full package, and you could probably get a lot for him on the trade deadline. So no, they, yeah, know. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. Okay, for, for the record, not, not really, going there. Fill the cabinet with him going somewhere. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah it opens up a lot of cap space, but I don't think that he. Uh, yeah. yeah, he definitely has a knack in, in overtime. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he's got three game-winning goals this year as a defenseman. It, it makes you wish, like, you'd see him get get into that slot area, get more of those finishes uh, in close in, in you know five on five situations, regulation, even power play. I think there's times he can. He can be more aggressive from that center point position instead of always just staying back there. Like maybe that we're talking about how can they fix the power play? That could be one thing. It's like how can you get McAvoy down lower? Like get him out of that center point spot where it seems like he's always he's always kind of within the same. I don't know, ten by ten. Yeah, and earlier in his career, booth. he was he was rotating a lot more on the power play. The first few seasons that he was that he was called upon uh, to be on the power play. If you he do that give and go, like he find his way down towards the net. And in, in college, he was really good at cycling around. You'd find him anywhere um, during the power play when he was in college at BU. So uh, we know he can do it. And, and that might be a good way to get more rotation. Like you said, that at this point, they're, they're kind of in a situation where they need to try everything to try to get that power play going. So. Yeah, that 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 pass to Crutch is just so hard to get away from, right? And that that's why he kind of has to stay up there because – it has to be a right-handed shot. Like over the years, typically, Pasta hits it better with the right-handed shot up there. That that's just the way his his angle, the spin off the pass, the spin off his shot. He likes that right-hander, just the the angle that puck comes. So it's up to McAvoy to kind of facilitate that, and and I think he has to take a backseat. But but all of that, I I think he could do a better job at finding a shot and, and taking a slapper from there and and having that converge at least from Marshawn and Van Riemsdyk uh, over on that side, getting to the front of the net and, and and Zaka if he is in the bumper turning and getting to the front of the net and and making it a little simpler at times. Uh, it's just it is you can see it's difficult when you have a guy who scores sixty goals. You want to force it a little more when the power play is going bad. And, and that that's what gets the Bruins in trouble. But but it's also human nature to understand why it, it is something that gets forced. Yeah. yeah. One other thing like they have to figure out on the power play is the bumper. They've they've been moving guys in and out of there all year. Look, obviously you had Patrice Bergeron locked in there forever. So naturally like there's gonna be a step back. There's gonna be it's gonna take time to figure it out, but They've tried Zaka there, Coyle, Morgan Geeky, the latest, and none of it really seems to ever stick. Maybe they just just they just don't have a good bumper guy. I I don't know, but like they gotta gotta figure out some way to to have someone who's effective from that spot. And I don't I don't think Geeky's gonna be the answer. I know they tried that. You shake things up. 
I, I also just think Morgan Geeky can't be the only center on your top power play unit because he's not good enough on faceoffs. I think he's 43% for the season. Like, you're just risking losing that first draw, and they clear it down there. It goes 20 seconds. Yeah, and it, it's that right-handed shot, right, that, that Patrice was, because then you could work over on the right wing and leave David to kind of find his way, whereas when you have Zaka, you got over on the left. It seems like they're using the bumper over on the left, which allows them to cover three guys, including David, with two, and it's hard to circle and move. So that's I think that's why... They're trying to get geeky because that gives it over on the other side. And, and it worked a little bit for a couple weeks around Christmas time. But it, it's I feel like everyone wants Zaka out there. I, I feel like they like are more comfortable with him. But again, it, it does change the dynamic because it's over on the left side rather than the right. And uh, if you could find maybe it's. Maybe it's McAvoy that needs to go down there. I, I don't. I don't McAvoy know. Like in the bumper. put McAvoy <laughs> in the bumper. We're talking about moving around. Like I, you could do that. Put him on the right hand bumper. Like Char uh, and net front back. Correct. In the day. Exactly. <laughs> and then maybe have you know put Shattenkirk up top so you have that right shot still going over. Like again, none of this is happening. I just thought of it in my head right now. But I'm trying to think well, of was... right shot guys <laughs> that could go over there because I think that's what makes everyone more comfortable. I was joking with Scott that if they can't find anyone they like in the bumper, just go no bumper back. Like old school, no old bumper. School. <laughs> Umbrella and an eye. Yeah, I, just we, kidding, but. <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking off air. Like we we watch a lot of college hockey and Northeastern runs a power play without a bumper. And I'm like, it looks so foreign. Like I'm like, it's hard to believe like 15 years ago this is what every power play looked like it uh all right the overload is so funny right it's hilarious yeah that it it was there bridget do you have other other questions yeah i do i do so this is something that affects the team quite a bit but um so we were talking about how remember last sunday we were saying okay monday bruins have dallas need to finish out the road trips uh, or the homestand strong so they they beat dallas in the shootout Monday and that that was you know Dallas is one of the better teams in the league right now um so they end the homestand on a high note but they lose Hampus Lindholm and so Hampus Lindholm doesn't make the road trip Mason Lori gets recalled from Providence and so uh, I want to get your opinion on how he how you've liked him since he got called up because he had that three assist game against Edmonton probably his best game as a pro so far uh and he has looked good on this road trip and it, it begs the question like with him playing well if he if he keeps playing well in his call-up do you even consider sending him back down is he someone that sticks in your lineup and does that change what you do at the trade deadline on defense I don't think it changes what you do on the defense at the deadline I think the idea whether he goes back down to the minors could change depending on what they do at the deadline, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does because he's the easy option to send down because he doesn't have to get waived. Of course, and you can call him back up as soon as the playoffs start if you wanted him around. or like there's, There's options there, and I think depending on who they get or if they get or what they get, uh, it, it might be that position where Lowry is. Now, I, I thought he was great. Of course, three assists is great in Edmonton, but him backing it up in Calgary and not really noticing him was very important to me. I, I didn't want to see him go back to wheeling and dealing against Calgary. I wanted him to settle in and make plays and be a defenseman, and, and I thought he did that against Calgary, which was really 
a big bonus. Uh, I thought the same against Vancouver. He didn't really get out in the play, didn't really turn the puck over. I thought he was pretty solid. So, yes, it's been a really good three days uh, for Mason Lowry, and he's making it tough, especially with the way that last pairing is played to take him out of the lineup. Yeah, I think each time he's come up this season, he's looked better than the last. Like, his first stretch up here, which kind of ended around Thanksgiving, you saw the flashes offensively, you saw the transition game, but you also saw him get exposed a bit in his own end, and you you knew, okay, there's stuff he has to work on there. Okay with sending him down. Like, he's he's a first-year pro. He, he's going to learn it. Second time he came up, I thought I thought he was playing pretty well, and I... I didn't think he deserved to get sent back down that second stretch. I think it was just a numbers game where Forber was coming back from injury. Wotherspoon was playing well, and there was a waiver situation. So he, because he can go down without waivers, he was the odd man out. And now he comes up this time because of injury to, to Lindholm. And, yeah, I think he's looked really solid. And it, I think it could change your, your deadline plans because if you – if Mason Laura can handle top four minutes, that is a huge plus. I'm still not I'm not quite there to the point of saying he can do it in the playoffs. That's a different beast. But he's doing it right now and he, and he's looking pretty good doing it. And you know, like does that if if Noah Hannafin was your top target, if Mason Laura can be seventy percent of seventy five percent of Noah Hannafin, I know they're slightly different players, but it's that same idea of a mobile guy who can play in your top four. All right, do you say, you know what, we'll revisit the Hannafin conversation in the summer. Let's go get a, a, a score. Let's go get a forward. Like, it it could change it that way if you think he can be a real contributor and player for you down the stretch. The 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 little bit of the issue is when Lindholm comes back is it's Lindholm-Carlo, right? Like, they they play great together. They're, they're a great pairing. Then that means Lowry would have to play with McAvoy. And then you're playing the big boys. And it would be nice if you could find and have someone there with McAvoy who's big and long, can play, and be able to put Lowry as the third pair. And then that then you can work him into different situations, put him in good offensive situations, protect him a little bit. I would be a little nervous having him be with McAvoy game one against the Tampa Bay Lightning and Nikita Kucherov. That That is like a lot to take. It, it really is. Like even when McAvoy came up and played in the playoffs against Saw, they were able to, they had him with Chara, right? Like they, Big Z was Big Z then. And, and that's where it, it's, you, you have to be a little careful because if you go that route and you don't have anyone else, that's what you're dealing with for for seven games in the first round. But well, could could you go Lindholm McAvoy and Lorai Carlo? It, it changes how you use your pairings a bit, right? Lorai Carlo's not going to get all the same shutdown matchups that Lindholm Carlo does, but it's an option. Like it's something it to is, it is. I, I think we've seen that they really want to keep McAvoy and Lindholm separate. They like they really like the idea of having those guys, one of those guys on the ice for forty five minutes of the game. Um, I, but I, but no, you could do that on the road. You could find different pockets to do that. I just think you you definitely need another guy. You 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 need, and that's where the deadline comes in. If you get a guy that's really solid, that really helps your back end. 
I think Lowry can stay. If not, then I think it gets a little dicier, which, again, maybe counterintuitive, but uh, and you, maybe you just need him. That's the other thing. Like, maybe if you don't get someone, it turns into a necessity and he's just thrown to the wolves. All right, we got to catch a break here. More Sunday Skate coming up next. Bridget has you trending. We'll be back after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is Sunday Skate on WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Welcome back to Sunday Skate. I'm your host, Scott McLaughlin, with... Andrew Raycroft and, and Bridget yes, Peru. he picks the music in case anybody was wondering. We we got to get a taste of the Pacific Northwest. I like that. <laughs> a little Seattle grunge yeah, exactly. vibe. It's on point. Uh-huh. Uh, by the way, we, we didn't get into this last week, but Razor, why is Fourier trying to change your nickname to The Razor? <laughs> 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 Who knows what Fourier does anything? Uh, yes, but he and he is sticking to it. Like if you, he only says the razor now. Like it, it's, uh, man, what a treat calling into those guys on a Friday <laughs> afternoon, Friday morning. You never know what you're gonna get. But no, yes, according to him, I am the razor, and I have to work done skiing at some point tomorrow night into uh, the broadcast. Yeah, so, oh, uh, yeah, he is on me for Dunsky. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just glad he hasn't seen me in a while. I haven't been in the office since October. <laughs> um, and every time he sees me, the first thing he says is, do you have my cookies? Where are my cookies? It doesn't say hi. It just says cookies. <laughs> and then Will, at one time he went through my bag <laughs> to see if I had cookies. I was like, I don't just carry sugar cookies with me constantly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he will jump me over, over cookies. And I, as soon as well, I see him this week, that's the first thing he's going to say to me. Yeah, well, it's it's like it's like a dog who's like been trained to certain behaviors. Like, yeah, yes, <laughs> oh no, he, that's him. He gets yeah, very like he excited. Sees you when he thinks goodies. Yeah, he he gets excited when I come <laughs> into the office because it just immediately goes cookies. Like, yeah. yeah, he stole all of Megan's cookies when I made her some when she first got brought on full time. I go, <laughs> do not let him see these. 
just take a few in there, hand him a few. And she brought the whole container in. What happened? I saw him pouring the entire container into a trash bag <laughs> that he got from the cleaning lady, tying it up and putting it in his car. <laughs> <laughs> what an animal. <laughs> uh, yeah, Razor, I feel like moving from Thursday to Friday this year, like you get, you get extra loopy yes. for you on a Friday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's not paying attention at all <laughs> on Friday. Like Thursday, you kind of have, but Friday, he's mailing it in as badly as anyone <laughs> is. So he is not paying attention or doesn't know what's going on. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's go to the phones here and take Bill from Belchertown. Bill, good morning. What do you got? Oh, hi, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I didn't play hockey as a kid, but I watched the Bruins, big fan. Big fan of you guys' radio station. I'm in my car too often, but so I watched the two period, two, second and third period last night. And the thing that stood out to me was there's no resistance through the neutral zone. And so, you know, they're in their defensive zone the whole time. Got to believe that's exhausting. But what does it take to get somebody in front of somebody in the neutral zone? I mean, you know, I'm an old guy, but take a lesson from the devils of old. You know, I felt like they never had to play defense because you couldn't get it through the neutral zone. And I, I think that would help the Bruins a lot. Yeah, they, thanks, for, yeah th- oh. thanks for the call, Bill. Um, it's a good observation, especially from that Vancouver game. That third period, they were just flying through the neutral zone, almost at will. And, again, I think this kind of comes back to, like, being caught between two minds where it's like either you're you're going to be aggressive and get in on the forecheck in the offensive zone and – slow that transition down before it even gets started. Or if you're playing conservative, it has to be a more structured trap, something that's that's going to clog up the neutral zone. Raise, I don't know if you have other other ideas on, on why that was happening. Well, I think last last night it was happening because they, they, they didn't get it in deep at all. They're, they're just hanging on in their own zone. And when they did get it out of their zone, it was only going out to the, the far blue line. And they're changing. They had guys come. It's so many... At least four times they had two guys change at once over on the left wing closest to the bench. Everyone else had to get stay, stay out because Quinn Hughes wheeled it and moved it to the weak side, and then they dumped it in, and then they got the rest of the guys changed off while they're dumping. So it was a little perpetual snowball last night in that they just couldn't get any pressure in the offensive zone. That's when your neutral zone's at its best. Now, you can't really go back to the, the left-wing lock of the New Jersey Devils because the game's so fast and you're not allowed to hook and hold like Scott Stevens and Ken Danico did back then. Like, the game's changed a little bit in that way. The best way to do it is to get on the offense and get possession down in the offensive zone. That's what the Bruins weren't able to do last night against Vancouver. Yeah, you also can't drill guys in the head as they come across the no, that's blue right. line. Which, like, which, like Scott Stevens That did. certainly helps your neutral zone when guys are scared to go anywhere near the middle of the ice. Yeah. Yeah, they're not crossing. They're not crossing in that area if if you're allowed to take shots like that. Which, like you mentioned, the transition game is a lot faster these days just because of the skill sets that that guys have, and, and especially defensemen are so much better at breaking out the puck now. Uh, and you know, there's less. You can't impede people the way that you used to be able to. But no, the point. It's a good point. Um, the neutral zone. You, you can't allow quick transition because then you get yourself caught out of out of position and and you're you know you have to scramble a little bit to get set up in your own defensive end yeah and that's where you know i'll come back to like the blowing leads starting before the six on five that's where like i want to see the bruins get raise you mentioned it like get pucks in deep get in on the four check 
establish some offensive zone time, like slow down that transition as it gets started. Force Vancouver to flip a puck out into the neutral zone. Like it, it it was it was like very frustrating to watch because it was a tough third last night. Yeah, it, it, it was it was not good. And and that started with the power play. They they were just hanging on, and you knew at seven eleven it wasn't long. There's was too much time. That there's too much time at seven to to make it two one for them to hang on. And uh, too good of a team on the other side. Don't forget, Vancouver's the best team in the NHL, right? Like they have the most points in the National Hockey League. That 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 that's also part of this, right? Because you're playing a pretty good team. The other team wants to win too. All right. One of the things we haven't really touched on, on on a, on a more positive note, is is the great story that is Justin Brazo. And I guess we can expand that to the fourth line in general, or yeah. guys they've called up in general. We talked touched on Lori looking good, but Brazo, like talk about found money. I mean, he, you know, undrafted, he's bounced between AHL, ECHL for a few years. They signed him to an AHL contract. He has a good season down in Providence last year. And then, you know, an even better season this year gets an NHL deal. They call him up and you're like, wow, this looks like exactly what they've been missing on the fourth line. Like, Here's a guy with now he's not super physical and he's not much of a fighter, so he's not he's not that kind of fourth liner, but he's a good player. He's getting to the net front. He's getting to grade A areas. He's making plays. He makes a really nice play to set up Jesper Bogvis's goal last night, the the Bruins' first goal of the game, where he has a good stick in the neutral neutral zone to win the puck, and then uses that long reach to make a pass around Quinn Hughes to Bogvist. Uh, and Richard won the face-off to set that up, too. Yeah. So it was all those guys. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it's like, you know, we're t- we've talked about, you know, do you need to go find an identity guy on the fourth line or something like that? And all of a sudden, the fourth line really doesn't look like a problem at all. In fact, it looks pretty good these last this last week or so. Yeah, you really want it to look good for another 10 days, right? You really want those guys to look good and look the way they have uh, because it it, feel, it just fits. It lo- it's just nice seeing a big, long guy out there, whether, you know, he's – whether he's as you know as tough as Bob Probert, that's irrelevant. I think nowadays you just need someone big and long, and and he gets to his spot. He understands the game. I think, I mean, he got 113 points in junior hockey. Like he 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 does have a nose, and he has hockey sense, and he's a bigger guy, so he's always going to get the his foot speed, etc. But once you're a pro hockey guy for this long, you start to, you just play the game and it doesn't matter about that skill set. As long as you get to your spot and you make plays like he has this past week in the NHL with Boquist and Richard, that kind of offsets that. If those guys get on the, Richard's, he's a really smart player as well. Like these three guys are really smart. I guess that what really stands out too is their hockey sense is really, really good and they played off each other really well and it's been a completely different look than what we've seen from the fourth line all season where we're wanting a little bit more or at least having an impact rather than just skating up and down the wall and killing 30 seconds. This is actually productive uh, and and I'm really rooting for the fact that these guys can keep this going. That's going to be the question mark is the consistency that they've never made it to the NHL for a long period of time. So can they keep it going? Can they do it in the playoffs? But to this point, the eye test says that this is what the Bruins need with the mix of personnel on that fourth line. Yeah. And so Boquist has multiple goals in this stretch. And he's an NHLer. Right, yeah, like he he's got 175 games going into this. Like he's an NHLer. He's played 22 straight. He's an NHLer. He's yeah. going to be that fourth line center. Yeah, so he he fits in 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 that he has the more 
more experienced than Brezzo and, and Richard, and he's fast, and you know he can play center. He they've slid him over to wing. I've seen Richard take some of their their draws and and um, get moved around a little bit. But main point being, production is coming from the fourth line now. So Brezzo scores in his first game, and he almost scored twice in that game against Dallas. And Boquist scored last night. Boquist scored against Dallas. Richard has been involved in the offense, and he's he's been kind of a pest in in the forecheck and and doing the things right that they when they called him up, he's doing essentially exactly what they thought he would do, and he's doing it well. And for Brazo, what makes him the right fit right now is that he's doing exactly what they wanted, which is going to the net, um, being a pest in front of the net, being a big body that's hard to move off the puck, so his puck possession is good. And when you put those things together on the fourth line, they've been able to take care of their matchups and they've been able to score. And And that comes in in a stretch where, um, like we mentioned, some of their other lines haven't been producing, their power play hasn't been producing, but when you're, you're getting the fourth line scoring, that maybe allows management to direct their energy elsewhere at the deadline. I think that's what you're getting at, Razor. That's why you want them to play well over the next yes, uh, you know, exactly. few weeks because then it, it's kind of like, okay, look look away from the fourth line. Look to the top six or look to the defense to add. Yeah, and, you know, Richard, I thought, they've also, they've tried moving, Richard in particular, they've moved him up in the lineup a couple times, and I'd rather see him just keep these guys together on the fourth line because, I don't really think any of the guys they've used on the fourth line are really third liners. So keep your top nine guys in your top nine. Keep this fourth line together and see what they do. And yeah, Richard, I thought in the Calgary game, he was out there for two of those rush goals against. And on at least one of them, I thought he was one of the guys who took kind of a bad line on the back check and, and allowed a guy to get open. Then you see in the Vancouver game, I'm, sure there was a conversation in between he had some really good back checks like breaking up plays using his speed to get back so that's also like the kind of quick learning you want to see on on something like that where one game to the next he seems to have you know figured it out so um yeah I don't you know I don't know if it's going to hold up and be a fourth line come playoffs but they're playing well now and Bridget like you said like it if they play like this I don't need to spend any assets on a fourth liner. Like go focus your attention higher in the lineup because I think that's where that's where there's still questions. You know, they they still um haven't quite found the combinations that work consistently in their top nine. And I think we should we should get to this, but it feels like it's gonna be a question right up to the deadline. What do you do with Jake DeBrusque? He had a great game in 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 Edmonton in his hometown goal and an assist all over the ice. I think he's had some other good games recently, but ultimately it's 11 of the last 12 games he has not had a point. And that kind of drought is coming at really like the worst possible time for him because I'm sure he wanted the he wanted an extension and certainty before the deadline, and if anything now you only have more uncertainty about what the Bruins are going to do with Jake DeBrusk. Tough time to go cold. And mm-hmm. and on top of it, right, it's it's Zaka, goalless in eight. It's Charlie Coyle. Yes, he scored two goals in Calgary, but beyond that, it's very similar to 10 you know, points in eight of nine. No points in eight of nine. So the three of them collectively going cold right now 
is also a huge deal why these overtimes and six on fives are coming up because that's not secondary scoring. That's like you're it's actually amazing if you think about how little those three have scored and the Bruins are still hanging in against Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver, these top teams in the league when you back into it. And I guess that's another positive part that we, we, we've gone straight to six on five and straight, right? And that's what we do. I get it. Like, that's what this team's kind of forced us into doing too because they've been so good for two years. But on the positive side of it, slash negative side, is that these three guys have to score more if this team's going to do anything. They're out in seven games. If those three guys don't have points in seven games in the playoffs, well, they have no chance, zero chance, every like locked loaded, forget it. So the fact that they haven't been very good offensively for three weeks now is a concern. And to your point with the brusque and the extension, it does leave question marks and it, and it leaves uncertainty. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be the best player to ever go away without an asset coming back, meaning you could go into the deadline not having him sign a little unsure and hope he goes on a run like Jake DeBrus can easily go on a run with the drop of a hat. Uh, but it still is a risk and it, and it's still something that I'm sure not that I'm sure that everyone's not too comfortable about. Um, it's a tough decision. And the reality is he should be commended for his 200 foot game because it has been so much better this year but at the end of the day he has to score as well like he, it just ha- he's one of those guys that has to Brezzo doesn't have to get a point the rest of the season Bolquist doesn't to, to help this team but but DeBrusque, Zaka and Coyle they, they need to especially DeBrusque yeah and, and think about DeBrusque if DeBrusque doesn't contribute in the playoffs at all that then what's the fan base going to be saying they're going to be saying you well, should have gotten something for him when you could have now he he didn't help you and now he's you know you might lose him for nothing like yeah. you could have gotten something for him at the deadline and you know it, it looks like a bad move if but but once again you can't predict the future he could go on a, a, a streak in the playoffs but if he doesn't and they didn't get anything for him you will hear it from the fan base that they should have you know maybe had some hockey trade that they could have found and flip him for a different winger, like a, which is weirdly what we've said about Jake DeBrusque, like several of the last few trade deadlines. Like, could we, does he need a change of scenery and someone else need a change of scenery? So they swap their forwards. Like it comes up every deadline because he's streaky and he goes through these, these times where it's like, okay, maybe they could find a better option or, or maybe he's a better option. It's, it's impossible to say when he goes on hot streaks and cold streaks. Yeah, or again, along the lines of like shaking things up or making multiple deals, you get some sort of asset for DeBrusque, then you turn around, combine that with another asset or two, and get someone better, more consistent than him. And, you know, I we could run through the names of guys who potentially might be out there. I think Jake Gensel is going to be the biggest name. I don't know if there's any way to make that happen, but something like that where you're, you know, you're upgrading that spot. You're bringing in a, a better top six wing. I would be open to that. And, you know, I think – I do think this this team's going to be interested in DeBrus. The problem there is, you know, if you're talking about Gensel or like a Vladimir Tarasenko, the team that might want DeBrus might be the team that misses out on those guys. So those guys, one of those guys might already be off the board. So it, it does get complicated, but that's – it's something, again, I just think they have to consider. Like, I feel like – Almost everything should be on the table for them because, 
again, I, I just feel like uh, some some sort of to come back to my opening take, like some so, sort of shakeup feels needed or feels like it could really benefit this team. It gets, yeah. Again, we're we're talking that they need more scoring in the top six, and that's the issue with trading to bro. Like it 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 does get complicated because. And and I think we've seen, I think history has proven to us that they really want Jake DeBrusque here scoring for them. There's been many times to have traded Jake DeBrusque and they've refused to do so. Uh, and, and again, I think he's got his 200-foot game. I think he's been very helpful for this group. And when he's scoring, it's extremely helpful. They don't lose when he gets going and when he's playing the 200 foot game and he makes that coil and Marshawn pairing so much better when he is getting going. So, again, I'm more, I think right now I'm leaning more fingers crossed he gets going and hope. Uh, But just because of the scenario of trying to trade him for something better that you don't really know is going to fit with everyone is is, is difficult. Um, So, I, I don't think. I think it's going to be hard for to 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 de- it's going to be hard to deal with too if he hasn't got any points in 15 games. That that's yeah, the other thing true. that makes it really difficult too, right? To actually get value that you think you should get for him when he's hasn't scored in February. Uh that that's a little nerve-wracking for a team on the other side. So again, all these scenarios like I I just I can't wait for 8 days to go by or 10 days to go by to see if we have any deals to really know what these guys are all worth. Like, what's Jake Gensel actually worth? Like, what yeah. are the Penguins going to get for him is so fascinating to me. Is I like Jake Gensel a lot. So. Well, the Penguins are going to trade him here, right? That's the issue. That's exactly. He's, he's, he's going to go west. He's going to go to a team. Like, Pittsburgh's, especially with all the, uh, the, the nuance with the Penguins here in Boston, I don't think he's coming here. That would be my guess. Yeah, true. Um, as much as that, it would, and by, it would be cool to see, but I don't think he's coming. Like that's they're not, you're not going to get him. I don't think. And by the way, he's injured and and likely out through the trade deadline, which also complicates that. But all right, we got we got one segment of Sunday Skate left. Scott McLaughlin, Andrew Raycroft, Bridge of Prue. We can maybe take another call too. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. If you have any thoughts on what the Bruins need to do, should do. We'll be back after. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search, then download. This is Sunday Skate on W-E-E-I. Welcome back. Final segment of Sunday Skate. With Andrew Raycroft and Bridget Prue, I'm Scott McLaughlin. I want to run through a couple of texts here. Uh, one six one seven. I think the Bruins are getting killed in faceoffs, directly affecting late game success. It is a factor. They've been they're below fifty percent on faceoffs for the season. I think we were all so used to twenty years of Patrice Bergeron being around sixty percent, but you know. 
of the guys on the roster right now, Coyle and Zaka are the only ones over 50%. And yes, they're going to take the bulk of your faceoffs, but it, it's not like they're dominant. So it does feel like they could use another good faceoff guy, and that that might be Johnny Beecher getting called up again at some point. Obviously, they've they felt there's other parts of his game he needs to work on in Providence, but he was good on faceoffs when he was up there, and it certainly feels like you know they they could use another guy uh, who can win some key draws for them. It last night there was eleven. 11 of 32 or 11 and 32 in their own and, zone. Yeah. Like that's the, and, and it's not, they're not contested. I guess that's the other thing too. There's a, there's a win and a loss and then there's a win and a loss. And, and last night were losses, uh, both goals directly back. You can't close gap. You can't pressure like we want them to pressure. If it goes directly back to Quinn Hughes, if you go right at him, forget it, you're over. So, it has to be better. The forward, the centermen have to find ways. The wingers have to find ways to to. Ex- Are they expecting a loss? Have they gotten the mentality yet that they're going to lose this draw rather than expecting to win every draw last year? Like all the faceoff plays they've run over the last seven years out of the defensive zone, out of the offensive zone, um, might not pertain to this anymore. You you might have to expect to lose and and cheat the other way rather than cheating to go on offense. Uh, again, all things that require much more of a deep dive into to, to how they're playing off of these faceoffs. But it was inevitable last night that the the faceoff was the reason they were getting smoked, especially in the third period. They couldn't get possession. Yeah, we got, let's see, uh, 508 text. Toronto won again, nipping at the Bruins' heels. Don't know if they're quite nipping yet. Seven points back, but Toronto does have two games in hand. I guess I'm not all that worried about whether you're first, second, or third in the division, honestly. Just stay out of the wild card, I would say, is is the key. Um, I, I like that they're in a division race with Florida. I think it's good. Like, it gives them, maybe not necessarily now, but down the stretch, those last few weeks of the season, something to, to fo- something real to focus on, not, you know, the points record or, you know, things that aren't going to directly affect your playoffs uh, like last year. Do you want to take our our final call? Sure. So, let's go to uh let's go to Larry in Portland who has some thoughts on the Bruins overtime. Uh, well, it's more an observation. I'd like to get your reaction to it. It seems like the most successful teams in the overtime they'll be bringing the puck into the O zone. The play that they set up isn't there, and they circle back into their own end and then reset. It seems like the Bruins very rarely do that. I mean, I my memory might be faulty, but it seems like they'll still force it in, and then they'll almost skate it into tight coverage as opposed to, oh, the play isn't there, let's uh, reset and go back. It doesn't seem like they do that very often, and it seems like the most successful teams in overtime play will do that and open up the ice a lot more. So uh, just your thoughts on that, and feel free, like my wife, to tell me I'm full of it. Thank you. (laughs) I hear you. I get that all the time, too. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Larry. So Bruins maybe maybe have to play more boring in overtime. Oh, boy. I think the regrouping is boring. I'm actually... Just yeah, a, but it's a possession game, Scott. It is. Like, and they do, they definitely do it less. They definitely do the regrouping less than some of the other teams you'll watch. Way more conservative overtimes by other teams than the Bruins. Yeah, I think there's got to be a, a balance there between 
Like, I want them to be aggressive and try to score and not play that boring circle back. But they they do still take too many chances in overtime, I think. Attacking one-on-one or trying passes that aren't there or bad the, shots. The post-up like, play yeah. kills me. When they put it behind, they, they send it up like a one-on-three on a three-on-three overtime, and they, they send it up the boards. They did it last night. They got away with it, but it is there. there's times where it's like that's such a, a bad risk-reward play. But overtime's the least, like three on three, whatever. Let's six on five. Enough is enough. Win <laughs> yeah, games uh, and regulation. So you, you hear our, our play out music going. Uh, Bridget chooses the last song, and, and she says she has very different tastes in music than me. She picked a song by one of my favorite bands. So there you Dave go. And Paula. Wow. You guys was, are more alike <laughs> than you know. Uh, don't say that. One, so. of, <laughs> one, of, one of the best live shows I've seen in like the last decade. Tame wow. and Paula, excellent. Wow. Uh, we got. We got John Lines. I saw Nick Fitzy, Fitzy Stevens yeah, too. He in? All right. So those guys coming up next, and we'll be back next week, nine to eleven a.m. Sunday skate. Last week before the trade deadline. That's our last show before the trade deadline. So thank goodness. Stuff stuff getting real there. <laughs> we'll talk to you then. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s. It's better only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.